0: Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. This is our 10th episode. You are listening to me, Brian Murphy, and with me is...
1: I'm Doug Brizzoni. That's right, and we are
0: here with our first guest uh, ever for the show. Um, he, this week, it's Grant Brisby of Barstool Sports. I'm sorry, of uh, Breitbart Sports. I'm, I'm sorry, of Pitchfork. Grant Brisby of Pitchfork. Uh, welcome to the Hello. show. Hello. Yeah, gl-
2: glad glad to uh, glad to be here. I have lots of thoughts on EPs and such, so we should just get right into it.
0: That's right. I feel like that intro was like a five point six, uh, somewhere <laughs> in that range. Uh, so Grant Brisby obviously is the brain of of McCovey Chronicles of SB Nation, uh, really of Major League Baseball's digital presence. It goes Grant Brisby, then MLB Advanced Media. Um, yeah. I'm the one
2: who built. I'm the one who built up the branding that you guys are both ruining.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> and you're welcome because that's why you did it.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I just want you to know that for it, it all takes years and years to build it all up, but it really took me like five seconds of retweeting something to bring it all crashing down. <laughs> um, uh, the, I guess the Giants' news this week has been well. I mean, it's been very sad—the passing of Monty Irvin—but. Uh, uh, 96 years old that's a really good life and certainly had uh, a lot a lot of stories and certainly a very historic uh baseball career and the article that you posted the other day that Mexican League story is amazing
2: yeah he i mean when something like that happens when when monte urban passes it makes me realize that I'm an idiot for not knowing Nearly enough about Monty Irvin. You know, I, I'll read something like Jay Jaffe wrote in a way for Sports Illustrated. And it had, you know, I should note that. I mean, he's so important in Giants history. He was just so... Uh, transformative like back in the day so what i did is i grabbed my books whatever books i have on my shelf and i'm trying to pretend like i know enough to to write about him sensibly and that story just stuck out that was a good one I, should we recount the story for people who might not have read it
0: oh yeah definitely absolutely well you should all be reading the site constantly just refreshing no matter what uh so that you can grab all this great content we're turning out uh, but clicking yeah it's a great it. story clicking on
2: it <laughs> Clicking on ads, especially no, it's so uh, Monty Urban and Roy campanella and the the Mexican league on different teams, and Monty Urban's up, it's the bottom of the ninth, he has the bases loaded, and his team is down, and the owner of the the league says, "Hey, I will give you two hundred dollars if you get a hit here uh it's sounds like a great deal, I mean that's a lot of money at the time, so Urban goes back and tells Campanella if. You call for a fastball, and I win the game. I will give you $100. And Campanella agrees and then calls for a curveball. But Irvin knows. He's got the stink of Dodger on him before he's even with the Dodgers. And he knows not to trust him. So he looks curveball, gets the curveball, wins the $200, and then keeps it for himself. Just brilliant all
0: around. (laughs) It's great. It's the kind of story that really you could only find in baseball. I told that to someone who doesn't like sports actively loathes baseball in fact and I said uh, my preface was you're going to like this story and it's the kind of story you can only hear in baseball and I, I told said the exact same story you just did and this person was just bowled over and for a, for a half a second seemed very interested in, in the story potential of baseball <laughs> <laughs> so you almost w- uh, was uh, the person under 40 under 40 that's right
2: <laughs> wow you almost had one you that's almost right, had him that's
0: right <laughs> Uh, but I happened to accidentally have on a Mad Dog Russo the other day, but I didn't know it was his show because Peter McGowan was talking. So I came upon it. It was on the radio, the radio simulcast, and Peter McGowan was talking about just the importance of bringing Irvin into the fold when the when McGowan and the ownership, new ownership, took over about bridging the New York. Giants and the San Francisco Giants fans, because neither side really cared that the histories were essentially separate. Uh, And Irvin is, is very much representative of that. And just the idea that his career was racist, ruined by racism, essentially that was what was part of the Jay Jaffe article that you mentioned, right? Uh, That, that it was that basically institutional hate uh, diminished uh, an amazing uh, baseball player and and a really solid person. Uh, it, it just is is staggering to me. We're in the 21st century, and it just seems like that that kind of stuff. It's just silly. It's silly season. And hearing him talk about how it bridges the two sides was really to me uh, an important mark. Why the Giants now are really they really did a good job of blending themselves into the DNA of the city and in San Francisco and just becoming sort of that thing that every baseball team tries to aspire to be and be that public annuity or that public benefit like it's a civic cell essentially
2: right and i mean to listen to urban speak after the fact uh he had every right to just be so bitter and filled with loathing i mean i i would think i would be i mean that's it's that's the level of discourse you know in general is that Uh, You know, it's just everyone likes to hate things. And he had every reason to just be filled with hate. And he wasn't. And he's just every time he he spoke about his own personal history, he was just uh, so fascinating and magnanimous and and, uh, just thankful for what he got to do rather than what he didn't get to do and what he didn't get to do was, it's a lot. It's, you know, he, he had such a great major league career, but it, he didn't get it started until he was uh, after until he was 30 years old. Hey, how good could he have been with uh, uh, 10 years against, against major league pitching? It would have been, um, would have been fun to watch, but that also brings up a pretty good point. When you talk about New York, San Francisco giants, I mean, do you guys, Because when I run a lot of my like searches for history, like this is the best giant shortstop since, I will set it at 1958. Part of that is because, you know, I'm only cared, I only care about the San Francisco Giants because, you know, I'm a regional slob just like everyone else, but also because I don't want to gum it up with people from 1920, like, you know, Hookfoot McGee and stuff like that. Um, is that something like that you guys do when you are thinking about Giants history? How hard is it for you to think about New York? Or do you, you just like to kind of lump it all under the same umbrella and, and take Christy Matthewson and, and he's the same as Willie McCovey?
0: I'm, oh, go ahead, Doug. I've been talking. To um, you.
1: <laughs> so, so for me, I like to kind of look at the history of the whole franchise because it's it's a lot more interesting for me to sort of research the New York guys and learn about them. Because, you know, before I started, you know, when I started writing for the site, I would do those, like, all-time Giants team articles. And I would just look guys up, and I'd be like, I have no idea who the hell Travis Jackson is. But he was a shortstop for, like, a decade in the 20s and 30s. And he's in the Hall of Fame. And so he's, you know, canonically, he's probably the greatest Giants shortstop of all time. I don't know a lot about him. I don't know if he actually had a better career than Rich Aurelia. I don't know if Freddie Lindstrom really was, well, Freddie Lindstrom was probably not better than Jeff Kent. But they're kind of, they're more names to me. And the difference to me, it's not really geography, though geography is why I follow the Giants. The difference to me is that it's hard to tell from an era that's that long ago how good those players really were.
2: Right, hey, that's Stephen Goldman would always tell me uh, when we worked together, look, these, these players back then, they were all basically dying from scurvy. Every single one of them, they were all <laughs> malnourished and like the size of Beck. Like they were, <laughs> you know, you cannot compare these, these players to the players of today and it, and so I've always kept that in mind, but at the same time, yeah, you know, for their time, you know, Travis Jackson was, was phenomenal. He was on a team that was an absolutely legendary franchise under John McGraw. You know, they just, uh, they, they were, they were kind of a dynamo of one of the original 16 teams. So, uh, I, I always struggle with it, you know, because I know that I wouldn't care about the Giants if they weren't in San Francisco. So part of me thinks, ah, you know, what, I'm just going to focus on 58 and after. But another part says, you know, that, that's great history that you're willing to toss out with the bathwater. That is Christy Matthews and Mel Ott. Uh, when I was, oh, man, I was probably sixth grade and I went to a sports camp. And you are supposed to go to the sports camp as your favorite athlete and just dress up as an athlete. And I went as Mel Ott. <laughs> and no one got it. No one understood. And the reason I went as Mel Ott was because I had an old-timey catcher's mask. And so I put it on and went as Mel Ott, which was wrong in so many levels. I mean, he wasn't a catcher. <laughs> my <laughs> peers hated me. Um, I just stood out and looked like a freak. I think my parents made me like a homemade shirt uh, with Ott and like a number on the back, even though they didn't have numbers back then. Um, so anyways. You know, Mel
1: Ott Mel Ott's number four.
2: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But well, yeah. See, I, I, I'm doubling down on the stupidity. Anyways, Melo <laughs> is my favorite catcher of all time. That's that's where that story was going.
0: <laughs> uh, see, so that was very pitchfork of you to dress as an obscure <laughs> player at a youth camp, essentially. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I I use the San Francisco era because it just it seems to me that when people are, and it's just basically for ease of reading on the site. I, I think that when you're doing post game recap caps or whatever, for me it just makes a lot of sense to keep it to keep the access very simple. But that's why you guys do a very good job of saying like, okay, that's what happened last night. But do you know what this means in the larger scheme of things? Sure, this is the best in 30 years. But how about the best in 100 years? Uh, and that that to me is like that's great for setting up further content down the lo- the line. But to me, it's just San Francisco Giants, it's, it's pretty clear. Plus, I like the idea that the San Francisco Giants, to me, the New York Giants obviously are, they're in amber, they're, they're in history now, and their accomplishments are many, and they are revered, and I feel like the San Francisco Giants, at least as long as I've been alive, have still been trying to kind of equal that legacy, essentially. So to me, that's another reason why it makes sense to just stick to the more recent history.
2: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, one thing I will not apologize for is running so many searches and starting a lot of things with after they moved into A&T Park, because that's just so perfect. Uh, They started it in 2000. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so great. It's just a nice line of demarcation for a lot of
2: reasons. Oh, it makes my job so much easier. If they started like 1999, then everyone could see why I was picking that year, and it'd be kind of like hokey. But no, I it's just—it's a nice round number. Hey, I'm just you know setting that line arbitrarily there.
0: Yeah, you, I mean, you could really just boil it down, even though it's not math or it's what not calendar-wise correct, but like this century, the Giants have been. It just makes it <laughs> a lot easier that way. Uh, so, I want to circle back to one thing you said about Monty Irvin, how he could be. He could be sound a lot more bitter than he does, and a lot angrier than he did. I mean, and uh, I guess I'm bad segue. And I know you don't listen to the podcast, so I know you you know I have bad transitions. But in this case, uh, <laughs> Angel Pagan's going to sound worse complaining about his position move than Monty Irvin's going to ever sound about institutional racism. Are we in agreement about this?
2: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh. uh... Yeah, I think Skype dropped that part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it is going to be. I don't know how much we're going to hear from Begon. I mean, do you? I think he is a diva, like Kruko said. I think he is – I think he has to be. I think that's just part of his makeup and that's how he got to to be as as successful as he is uh, considering he was, you know, kicking around the depths in the minor leagues for most of his early 20s. He was never a top prospect. So he kind of needs to have that, you know, I'm I'm the best and no one's going to stop me now kind of mentality – I just don't think we're going to hear a lot about it. I think any grumbling will be behind the scenes, and Bochi will deal with it in his grumbly way um, behind the scenes as needed. I don't, I don't, I really don't think we're going to see a lot of on-field pouting or, or post-game quotes that'll turn our heads. Maybe I'm uh, being too optimistic, but that's just my guess. All
1: right. No, that seems that seems like how Pagán works. Because if you remember when he's complained about things, um, it's come out a little bit later as kind of a justification why the Giants were still starting him in center. But he hasn't directly gone to the media. He hasn't been like, oh, yeah, I should definitely be playing every day. I, I don't know, maybe once or twice. he should, Maybe once or twice he said something like, well, I, I look at myself as the starting center fielder and I want to be in the lineup every day. But that's not the kind of complainy diva stuff that you really talk about. So I would right. agree that it's going to be behind the scenes.
0: Also, if he's playing every day essentially in left field, it would be extremely difficult for any you know reasonable person, even if they are a diva, to complain. They're still playing. Um, and Grant, your article yesterday was you know comparing him Blanco's performance. It's very eerie, obviously, but you know essentially. The point was, if you didn't read the article, again, great content every day on McCovey <laughs> com. Uh But essentially the point was that the Giants can't lose given what they have on the roster. I mean, obviously they could upgrade and get Justin Upton, which you know they can't afford really at this point. But uh, they, would, they would be fine with either of those guys, and that probably means Pagan's going to play every day.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a decision that's you know that you can really shake your fist at uh, with Blanco or Pagan and left. I think Pagan's got the the better career, the longer track record for the last few years. Whereas Blanco seems to be on a little bit of an upward uh, trend with his highest on base percentage of his career last year. Uh, but I don't think there's a way to really screw it up. Um, and even if you do, it's nice knowing there's a little bit of a safety net behind it. Uh, but with with the position switch with Pagan, the thing that I don't get is so say i'm hired by a company to write about uh politics in the middle east and i'm terrible at it because i would be i would be unbelievable i mean like you, you could probably milk like three shawshank references that apply to the middle east and then the more you use it the more inappropriate it becomes and i would be terrible and then it would be like someone saying well why don't you write about baseball for that site? And like, it'd be like me yelling at them. No, how dare you tell me to write about baseball? Like, I want to just fail spectacularly about this and I want to keep doing it. That's why you paid me to do it. So I wouldn't think there'd be like, you know, on the surface, like Pagan would be like, no, I'm the center fielder. It's what I do. But internally, there's got to be some measure of, oh, thank God I was terrible out there. I mean, he's he's got to know, right? Like that That's... weekend where he gave up like six triples, like right. he gave those triples up.
0: Right. I agree. I, I, I also don't know... Why? I understand ego enough, but I understand if someone's still wanting you, that an adjustment, that you're still staying around. I don't understand why there's a pride factor in being like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this instead. I feel like that's it all makes sense psychologically, but I guess I can't get beyond the divaness of it. Just the idea that someone's asking you to do something different from how you've done it, that you would kind of flip your hair and take offense to it in a way. Uh, That I don't understand.
1: My feeling is that, you know, he had to work He had to work his ass off to get to the majors for, you know, most of his 20s. And so he's thinking, well, I've overcome that. I can overcome this. I can be better. I can show them. I'm still the guy I was. And it's, you know, he knows he was bad, probably, but I think that he thinks he can be good again. He thinks that if he just goes out there and works harder. It's the same thing that if you remember when Aaron Rowan was on the team and it seemed like, every few times every week, Mike Kruka would talk about how nobody spends more time in the cage than him. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And it just didn't work. But that's how, that's how athletes are that they just think if I go out there and work harder, I will get the results because in their lives, it has always worked.
0: Yeah. But right, life is, right. life isn't a Rocky montage. I mean, really you can't,
1: <laughs> well, well, I don't think he's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the weird <laughs> part about Aaron Rowan is Aaron ruins in the batting cages and you know, he's, doing the exact same thing every time he's in the batting cages. Angel Pagan, I, I can actually see, first of all, he actually has a decent approach at the plate, and he seems to adjust at bat to at bat sometimes, whereas Aaron Rowan was, he he stopped changing, like, right when he signed that contract, and <laughs> he was the same guy. It seemed like he even doubled down by the end. The, the stance got more exaggerated. Just everything about him seemed to just fall apart. Because he stayed exactly there's, the same.
2: There's a little bit of sadness in that image of him in the batting cage. Because you know he was just crushing every batting practice fastball that would come in the cage. And just being like, I got it. I don't get it. I, like, I can do this. Look at how hard I'm hitting the ball. Then he goes in the box and sees that first slider. Says, oh, the <laughs> devil pitch. I forgot about the devil pitch. <laughs> and you know <laughs> that they're sitting
0: there going like, how come... Uh how can we never set the pitching machine to slider? <laughs> like no one ever oh, just man. sat there and did that. Yeah. And it'd be like that Simpsons joke. Oh, here's your problem. You you just switch it.
2: Hey, <laughs> yeah, here's your problem. Yeah. Switch to fastball.
0: I guess I'm, I'm bringing up the angel Pagan thing because you know, it, it's a nice problem to have. The giants are, this is the, this is the angst I have. The giants are front runners. Effectively uh going into this season and I am extraordinarily uncomfortable with that feeling extraordinarily (laughs) Uh, it's I don't know how you deal with it Uh, I think Doug puts up with me worrying about it but what are you how do you put up with it
2: (laughs) yeah I mean it's I wouldn't say they're front runners they're definitely at the top of a division that is very much in question and I think they've made the strongest roster going into a season since probably 2000, um, and that is both good and bad. In that, in 2000, they were a playoff team; they had the best record in baseball. I'd had that same feeling where you were looking around the roster, and and if you really wanted to pick on the the Mirabelli a hole, like you could say, "Oh, that's going to kill them," but you're basically looking for reasons to nitpick. So in that sense, it's good. But in the other sense, well, they had more success in 2002 in the postseason. Uh, They were maybe a better team by the end of 2010. Uh, Certainly they had more postseason success, obviously, in the the three championship years. So when you went into the season for 2010, 12, and 14, you weren't thinking this is a team that is – you know, wanting for nothing. You were thinking these these teams, you know, they have their holes. Boy, I sure hope they can uh, not screw it up at the deadline. I hope Mark DeRosa can stay healthy. Uh, maybe John Bowker can do things. Uh, I mean, that's what you're thinking. You're not thinking Andres Torres. You're not thinking, you know, maybe Aubrey Huff can have 100 RBI or whatever. Uh, so going into the season with them as front runners is both unnerving and pleasant.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: If that... Yeah, makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean there's obviously there's somewhere in the middle but you know top of it is everyone plays to their ceiling and and the floor is all these free agent signings just completely blow up in the giants faces, you know, they get uh you know, they get 5 ERA from Jeff Samarja in the National League and Johnny <laughs> Cueto, Johnny Cueto's shoulder, his labrum just explodes. And the explosion knocks out Denard's fan for a hundred games, and like, yeah, that 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 is the catastrophe. But that is a possibility just based on all the people they've signed, managed to sign. Uh, but I'm not, but I can't look at that. I do not think about that. I go, yeah, that's that's it going wrong. But they still have a pretty solid roster outside of that. They have a, a pretty decent manager, and they have a team that seems very willing and aggressive. A, to address their needs, so you know the trade deadline. If they're still in it, they're going to do something, and it's just very strange to go. There's no obvious holes right now,
2: <laughs> right? Like if if you're worried about Gregor Blanco and Angel Angel Pagan, that's like a if good you're problem really to worried about that. That's a good problem. Yeah. The- that's I mean you know there are people right now just perseverating on it that there's just they've got the phone dialed it's 808 KNB and they just they can't mash that last R cuz they're so mad that they would dare go into the off season or the the regular season with a Pagan Blanca platoon and you know it's just not that big of a problem you know I I just <clears throat> just spent a long time looking at all the the different roster holes around major league baseball for SBNation.com. um yes. and I was looking at some of these holes. Yeah, I, I I think you should all read it. It's a very well Great. put together piece. But no, pretty I, good my, content <laughs> on
0: espionation.com too on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes. But i I, you know, basically spent the last two days looking at the different holes different rosters had. And there's just some like weird like the Braves have Adonis Garcia hitting fifth for them in playing third. And he's a 30-year-old third baseman with very little major league experience. And it's I mean, those are like the holes. And obviously the Braves are rebuilding, so maybe it's unfair to pick on them. But even good teams like have, wow, you're really you're really going to start that? Okay. You know, I mean, like they have those holes. So for the Giants to have Pagan and Blanco with a backup plan behind them of Mac Williamson, who is, you know, definitely uh, close to Major League ready, if not Major League ready. And then maybe behind him, Jared Parker, uh, who would probably strike out 200 times, but he's at least a pretty good fourth option. Uh, I think that would be pretty silly to kind of just pick on that one seeming weakness.
1: Yeah. I think the, the, the main weakness is just, they don't really have a good backup infielder, but that's, you know, that's going to happen. You just can't have that many good, you know? So if somebody gets hurt, somebody gets hurt. And then if it's panic or Crawford, you have to start Ari Adrianza, which is not ideal, but at the same time, he isn't not a major league player. It could be worse.
2: Right. Well, Doug, I would not, ask you not who who a major is worse. leaguer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that seems the lo- the the lowest you could go, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah, but <laughs> the, you seem convinced that he could show us a little bit more. I'll go with that. Why not?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's. I don't know. I, I, I mean, once you, you could also say that they're going to, uh, uh, you know, get another Kelby Tomlinson out of their Kelby Tomlinson gritty infielder. <laughs> factory you know wherever whenever they started making one of those and so it it, who i mean you would probably know you've got uh rando moreno right you've got austin (laughs) slater you've got these guys one of them's just going to come up and just be completely random and that would sort of point to rando moreno right
0: that's right all signs point to rando moreno
2: (laughs) just Uh, literally some rando
0: that's right literally some rando I, i mean I hope that happens because any attention the Giants get nationally is great and I feel like that's a great way to just get national attention. The Giants have some rando on their team. Holy crap.
2: <laughs> Don't panic. Here yeah. comes some rando that's when right. no Panic gets hurt. <laughs> the Giants oh, have I got write that done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, uh, you know, everything else is just. And I guess the context or the background being that the Giants have won three championships, I wonder if you were to remove those from the equation, which I can't even do abstractly. I'm so happy, but if if this were another team and they a good faith, concerted, obvious, clear effort to address their needs with a very strong core offensively and a pretty good you know, pretty decent pitching here and there already going into the season. If things didn't turn out, I guess is the second part of my angst. Like, I don't know what to do about the Giants, you know, being kind of front runners. But then also, like, if things don't go their way, I can't be mad about it. I can be disappointed that it's turned out like an odd year. But essentially, it's like, well, the Giants did everything they could. Could they have drafted better a few years ago? Uh, maybe, but the drafts are crapshoots. And free agency can be too.
2: Right, right. I mean, it's it's so easy to be like, you know, why didn't they just trade the computer for Sonny Gray? That's right. Um, but, well, it, 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 but they were also... They were also option... But
0: the other part is they almost had... It was almost Granky and Samarja. That's the part that's like, okay, so the Giants did everything they set out to do, basically. And... I can't be mad. No one should be mad is actually my bigger point.
2: Right, right. I mean, yeah, it would be pretty hard to be mad on exactly who the Giants got. And I, yeah, they they spent $220 million on two risky pitchers. Samarjo was bad, actively bad last season. Cueto looked like a much different pitcher last season to the point that when the postseason started, when he made his start, Royals fans weren't thinking, yeah, here comes Johnny Cueto. It's like they were freaking out because he he looked like just such a different pitcher. And that's who the Giants got. And the, the recent history of the Giants spending big on free agents is Barry Zito and Aaron Rowan. So I can understand being a little nervous. At the same time, I can't understand being mad. Like even if it doesn't work out, how are you mad? I mean, that is, you know, you're basically just ignoring what's happened in the last five years, six years, which is weird to start with. But you're you're like ignoring the Giants finally making that effort to spend, like seeing this window, and basically this off season is is courtesy of Joe Panic and Matt Duffy. Like they their presence allowed the Giants to step back and go, whoa, we're like wanting for nothing right now as far as the offense like we have everything in hand when it comes to our infield for the next like 5 years we we have a cost controlled infield let's go out and spend like maniacs and they finally did it like it, it's everything we've wanted since i guess the Zito contract so I just can't understand being mad. And like I, I I read the comments. I read every Facebook comment. There's some mad people.
0: Mad people. Well, I even go back. I always go back to Vladimir Guerrero because for some reason that still stings. But it shouldn't. There shouldn't be no sting <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, it seems to me it, it's just the thing that stuck uh, in my craw for the longest time, uh, you know, that, that that was the way that the Giants operated, you know, quantity over quality, and here it seems like they did a little bit of both, and again, again, the angst, right. I'm not sure how to deal with that, but the Giants, uh, it's weird to be so happy for so long with them, that's all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually scrolling through right now, I'm looking for this one Facebook comment that I got on the McCovey Chronicles Facebook page, like and share with your friends right now. Um, I'm Looking for this one comment where, like, this guy's like, "Yeah, Samarja led the league in runs. Cueto's arms falling off. Brandon Crawford's never going to be as good again." LOL. Like, this is the worst off season ever, and it's totally serious and it's fascinating. <laughs> I want to, I want to study this person.
0: It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't write that. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so you're you're sitting there. Going into the season, and uh, I mean, you're gonna be going to a lot of games, I imagine, right? You're gonna be, you're gonna be, uh, sitting in the owner's <laughs> box, you're gonna be sitting in the owner's box, popping, popping champagne with Larry Bear, going, like, You, you brilliant bastard, look what you've done.
1: <laughs> or do, you, do you call him
0: Lair Lair?
2: Not, out the... uh, Uncle Lair, Uncle Lair,
0: Uncle Lair. Uncle Lair.
2: <laughs> Uncle Lair. <laughs> Uncle Lair around the house will we'll be like, Yeah, you know, what'll what Uncle Lair say about that? And I'll, I'll tell him, you know, whenever we have dinner parties here.
0: <laughs> Nicely done, LB. That, that's, that's how you say it <laughs> at the country club.
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I will be going to uh, probably like five games like usual, and um, they will lose in every single one.
0: The, that was the where I met you. I met you at a game uh, on that fateful day where the Giants traded for Guillermo Moscoso. Big day in Giants history. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> Did they win that game? I can't. That was the. That was the social it's not media. Not over yet. That He's was still the,
1: pitching the fifth inning.
0: That's right. Uh, that was no, no, Grant. That was the social media night game with the rain globe that Brandon Belt lost for them. <laughs> with, yeah, uh, okay.
2: Yeah, right. I, I I remember Rain Globe Night. I just can't remember yeah. what it was like, and yeah. it was devastating. That's yeah. right. It was a devastating loss. Yeah. Oh memories.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh Doug, have you and Grant ever met in person in real life? IRL?
1: Yeah, we um when the when Maccabi Chronicles did the meetups at Zeke's R.I.P. Zeke's, um, I went to a bunch of those and uh-huh. met Grant. Uh-huh. So Gary, and I'm taller I would, than him. I would,
2: pour out a, I would pour out a 40 for Zeke's, but I'm still waiting for them to bring my forty to me. <laughs> oh. That's it's a service joke.
0: That's Get it? A, that's oh, right. Now we know why they are R. I P.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Okay, go on. Go on, Doug, sorry. <laughs> that
1: that that's when I met Grant at the at I don't know, four or five of those? But the last one I went to was twenty twelve, I wanna say. So that's how long it's been.
0: Long time.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. You've, you've done quite a lot, quite a bit of growing up, Doug. I <laughs>
0: know. Thanks.
2: You, I follow you on the, I follow you on the internet. You know, you've, you've really, you've come into your own on the internet since then.
0: He really has oh. found his voice. Yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's matured. I don't know. Uh, I,
2: I need I need to do some of those meetups. I always relied on uh, Craig or, or Goofus to the people reading uh, to kind of put those together. He would email me dates and be like, "Hey, how about the – You know, I would like put the burden on him, and that way I didn't have to do anything, which is something I'm really good at. But like, I want to have bigger meetups, and I I know I can get the giants involved and, and stuff like that. So I will put it on my list of things to ignore, and then I will feel bad about it every time I, I it comes up. That's but, my but problem. We can't ask anything more to you.
0: But maybe someone who's yeah. listening will take up the uh, the charge or take up the mantle. I don't know the torch, whatever, to oh. organize to do it for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, there's maybe a L- lot in it for maybe
0: them. LB is listening and he'll he'll delegate that to someone. And uh,
2: I mean, if you if you want to tell people that you have sent e- emails that have gone unanswered to me. I mean that is on the table you can send emails that, that I won't answer and that's my that's what I have to offer you <laughs>
0: <laughs> that you can't turn that down folks I mean that's it's right there for the taking you should go for it uh, to have your, own gen, your own email ignored by Grant Brisbee um, uh, oh, oh so, so filled so, with self-loathing. Yeah. so you've you've expanded the how does it feel you've come such a long way with you know, espionation and Vox and everything to really just essentially be the cream that rises to the top and be the, the main target of any assault. I, I'm sorry, the most popular person <laughs> uh, of it. Do you, do you think about that or do they just, because you have so much work to do that and, and so many other life responsibilities that you never sit back while you're getting drunk or drinking your bourbon to think about your legacy that you're creating post by post.
2: I don't I mean I think like I hate most of what I do, like actively hate it. Like I think I am pretty bad at writing about the Giants because uh it feels like I, I'm totally missing a lot and it it, it it and them winning really screws up my voice <laughs> because it's it's hard to be so bitter and cynical. It really so is. I don't like what I write there. I <laughs> Yeah, it's man. You come off like if you if you're too bitter or cynical, you end up coming off like Brian. I mean, it's like, <laughs> whoa, can you even imagine? No, but it's you know, so I hate everything I write about the Giants, and I hate everything I write nationally because I feel like it's impossible to write about baseball nationally just because there's so much. Like there's just so like, you know, we're sitting here talking about Rando Moreno because we follow the Giants obsessively, but there's like just. You know, I can't name every person in every bullpen. I can't name the players on the bench who who have a chance to succeed. So, I know I'm screwing up nationally. That when I write about like the Indians, that there's going to be an Indians guy reading this, going, "This guy has no idea what's going on with the Indians, does he?" And he's right. You know, I don't know anything about the Indians, so so I hate that. Um, I hate that the writing I do outside because I'm too tired to write that. I. I don't think about my legacy unless I'm actively hating it to answer your question. Um No, I I think it's a good legacy.
0: I'm gonna let you off the hook with the Indians. I'm because, proud of it. <laughs> that's good. <I'm laughs> let you off the hook about the Indians. I'm pretty sure the Indians aren't even <laughs> sure what they're doing. Uh, have you paid attention? the Indians no, I, the Indians have signed uh what? They got Mike Napoli? I think they did that. Uh Yeah, no like- I
2: I always joke because like, the Indians kind of fascinate me. Just in general, they're like an underrated streak. Like everyone's all, oh, the Cubs, and and they've got the the history of, of postseason pain. And the injury, Indians kind of fly under that radar. And I they think they've built a really interesting team. But every time I want to write about them nationally, it's been a joke for uh, the whole time. I've been a full time writer. Is that if I write about the Indians, it's to get it off my chest because no one will read it. And it's true every single time, like no one reads my Indians posts at all. I mean, like, I don't know if if I said something and like the Indians fans just know to ignore me rightfully. Um, but it's, it's just no one reads those posts. So I do it. To, I just wrote about them and it was to get it off my chest. Like I haven't written about them in a while and I have a lot to say about the Indians. So I'm just going to spit it out. And then it did no traffic. And that's fine. That's what Indians posts do. So. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but that that's the Indians to a national baseball writer, at least to me. It's I just, think you it's
0: were just, saying that your legacy is secure and you were giving us an example of that. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, my I'm just my legacy. I, sometimes I do sit back with a bourbon and think, God, look at everything I've done and how good I am.
0: Good, good. <laughs> I think more people should do that. I, I think more yeah. people should do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm. I'm. You know, I really I'm friend- don't do that. I'm friendly with the you know writers on TV shows, and uh, one of them is like someone whose work I looked up to and like was really big deal to me. And I I've asked his wife before. I'm like, do you ever catch him in the study, like just sitting back, like with a glass of scotch or something, and just being like, ah, God damn, that we were brilliant. We did such good work. Like just. <laughs> Just like totally admiring himself, but like staring off into the middle distance, like talking to no one. I feel like some people should do that. I feel like I feel like Grant. You could sit back and be like, "That raiding cats post was was brilliant. It was just brilliant. That was one of the greatest thing I've ever done." Uh, you know, Bill Hanstock would probably be sitting actually- back with the Yankees gif post. He could probably sit back and and. Well, he doesn't drink, so, you know, it'd be a, light, a nice tall glass of water and just be like, ah, that was some good stuff.
1: And the, the Macklemore yeah. tweet, too. The yeah. Macklemore
0: tweet, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, but your, your cat's your cat's ranking is one of your greatest SB Nation posts. Uh, nothing to do with the Indians.
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny because right now there's a cat actively meowing trying to get out. And I, you're going to hear him if you listen to this. So I'm going to – no, now he doesn't want out. Now he wants to just sit in my bed and stare at me.
0: He knows we're talking ah, about cats it. That's really are. Yeah, he knows we're talking they about really it.
2: are assholes. <laughs> <sighs> they really are assholes. No, I, I usually sit back with a glass of bourbon and I'll, I'll do the, the smack in my lips and go, ah, I'm a fraud and this is all going to come crashing down. But at least I have this scotch right now. And then the scotch <laughs> goes away quickly. And those are the happiest moments of my life. You're right. When I'm alone drinking, thinking thoughts.
0: <laughs> I only think about my bad posts. And of course, there are, that's most of them. So I think about them a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> no, also I, think about the rejected I, I, ones that I've had. Like the one that you never that you didn't understand conceptually. I'm like, how could I have made that better? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I no, just think about I that. Still,
2: <laughs> I still feel bad about that one. I I do feel <laughs> bad because I there's a because I like I shovel crap on the side a lot. So why was I so protective that day? Just because like I think I had a problem with the reverse chronology of it, and I didn't. Maybe I just didn't have time. I, God, I no, still I'm,
0: not, I'm not. I'm not complaining. That. You were right to shoot. I, if you shoot stuff down, that's fine. I don't. Does it, it's just like, ah, I feel like I didn't bring that across the finish line conceptually. So, like, the Hall of no. Fame one that I said, I'll write about this. And then I realized, like, writing about the Hall of Fame is, like, the worst thing a person can do. So I'm not going to do that. So.
2: No, I'm going to uh, I'm going to publish it right now. <laughs> Please do I'm don't. going back. You know what? This is just... the, the
0: pitch was, so... for, to keep no one in the dark, it was basically the Sony – Sony Pictures had that whole email hacking scandal, and I was trying to point out that the that people from Sony had been in touch with the giants, and after you know, at some point for various reasons over the years, and so these were some of those emails. That was all the the hack was, but I didn't do a good enough job of really setting that up, and they weren't funny. I mean, they probably weren't that good. That's I I maintain because I saw that.
1: I maintain that uh, you had a Photoshop thing because this was a. last off offseason right. when the Giants didn't have a left fielder or third baseman. Right. And you had a Photoshop thing from Larry Bear saying, we have decided to eliminate left field and third base. And that was hilarious because you had a little diagram there. <laughs> so
0: that was, that was, yeah, the, that's good. I'll, I'll, <laughs> that, was listen, that, was that was it. I will, uh, I'm not airing it to get with. it posted. No, just, I think I deleted it anyway, but it was just, you know, those are the things yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, it, think
2: it's, it starts with an unprecedented cyber attack has befallen an American movie studio, it revealed that a lot of people working in Hollywood are shallow, petty, and completely incompetent. And then it so it comes as no surprise that a lot of executives and producers look to a successful organization, our beloved San Francisco Giants, for guidance. And then so that that's a good lead, you know. It gets you into it, and it makes it seem, you know, like like you're going to drop some bombshells and, and then I don't. That's <laughs> the diagram. There's no, there's some there's some good stuff.
0: But that's what <sighs> I drink about. Anyway, where you know, I'm not trying to keep you on the hook. Uh do you, Doug, do you have any questions for Grant Grant do you have any questions for us? This is a <laughs> Let's move on from that.
1: Well there there's just the one question really quick for Grant. Brian, you mentioned it in your email to me about what we might talk to Grant about. Uh Grant, if you ascended to heaven and could only take one of us with you, <laughs> who would it be?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um. Oh, I. You know what? I, Brian, are you are you are you are you in a relationship right now? I am. I am. See, then you'd both complain about that other person not being there. And then you you had to spend eternity with me, right? She'd like, probably you, be
0: fine like, with. It. Look at me
2: and. and <laughs> But I mean like you would look at me for a turn and be like, wow, you sure aren't my significant other. Um and that would that would be sad. So that can't be a that can't be a tiebreaker. Um I would go with I think I'd go with Doug. And you know why? Cause I think I've I I've interacted with Brian a little bit more and I think uh, Doug would have a little bit more mystery for me and if we're talking about eternity I, give I respect give the hell out of that answer <laughs> I
0: respect the hell out of that answer it's like I've met him I, I got the gist of it
2: So <laughs> no you know I, I've, G ch- I've G chatted with Brian I've met him in person what more do you want me to do with him you know that's fair
0: point <laughs> Grant do you have that's,
2: any questions for like, us uh, um do you do you guys talk behind the scenes about me specifically like if i'm being a dick or if i'm like asking or 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 doing things wrong or not giving you guys the right opportunity or do you guys talk about your resentment of me behind my back
1: no it's it's implied
0: okay okay yeah, I mean, for the, that's good. For the that's most good. part, we, we speak in code when we're like, Grant probably hates us. And this, <laughs> and this podcast, we're, what we're basically saying is like, we hate Grant, and we resent that he's not on this podcast every week. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Um, but we're not flat out saying we're it, we so the answer to your question yeah, is no. Right. That's right. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, good. But I mean, uh, no. the, the right question to ask and then would have been like, what is everyone else saying about you behind your back? Because we know that. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair if you enough.
0: wanted to know about the rest of the staff, well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> no, but I, I, I do want you guys to know that I'm big fans of yours, and this is a good opportunity for me to tell both of you that that I'm constantly pleased and surprised by how good your your stuff is. I shouldn't say surprised by how good your stuff is because that sounds um, dickish, like my expectations are really low, which they're not. <laughs> they're like medium. Expec- no, no, but seriously, I, I I love what you guys add to the site. And I think it, it it pushes me, you know, just just when you guys do something funny, it makes me say it, it pisses me off is what it does. Like when you guys do something that does well, it like it annoys me that I didn't do it First, or that you, or maybe I did do it first, and you did it better. So um, basically, you guys pissed me off, and that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> Happy <laughs> to help. Uh, yeah. I am very appreciative of the way, <laughs> very appreciative of the way that you're able to uh, put keep your hatred of the Dodgers at a low simmer and write that into your stuff. <laughs> because I can't. I'm I'm very one or the other. It's it's off, and I appreciate them, or it's on, and I'm just whatever. But you're able to find that little that little tweak of the nipple hair or something, (laughs) something that just is a little, it's a little slight in there, and then you can ramp it up. It's very nice. I appreciate the degrees, the levels you work at. I am the Incredible Hulk or I'm dead. That's all I've got. Um, I
1: I appreciate the way that uh, whenever Lars or Sean runs that stupid Grant loves the Dodgers joke into the ground on Twitter, you somehow don't reach through your computer and murder them. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> that's really impressive.
0: Uh, well, that seems I, like...
2: I, a- I, I just think... Oh, go ahead. I mean, they're they basically w- Waller from Sattler. I mean, I just... That's how I picture them. And it's basically like, it's hard to get mad at Muppets. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just picture them as like, literally being Muppets. Like, they, I've never met either of them. So it's easy... <laughs> for me to think of them as, like, literal Muppets. (laughs) Literal Muppets. They're for amusement. When they make their jokes, it's like, oh, there go those Muppets again.
0: Uh, Uh, I hope they they know
2: how I feel.
0: (laughs) Well, we could break out into a Muppet-esque song to explain it, if it wasn't clear. Uh, How about we just transition transition into uh, Twitter questions? That seems like a perfect one, because... The first question can be from Lars. (laughs) Uh, So Grant, you want to stick around and answer some Twitter questions?
2: Yes, I'd love to stick around and answer some Twitter questions.
0: Uh, We like to fill this, throw these out. They're usually about, they can be about anything, but people tend to just stick to the Giants, which probably makes sense. Anyway, so Lars asks, at Lars the Wonder asks, which boner commercial do you prefer? (laughs) Double tubs or football jersey woman? And I've got to be honest because oh. most of the time I don't see these commercials. I don't have context for either of them, which is great. <laughs> so.
2: uh, uh, boner football jersey lady um, actually follows me on Twitter. And yes. she Because I wrote about Boner – Boner football jersey lady um, for SB Nation. I, I, every year I do the worst commercials of the MLB postseason. And I wrote about this one, and someone must have sent it to her and said, Man, look at this guy talking smack about your boner commercial. And so she had a good sense of humor about it. And uh, I, I can't find the tweet right now, but it's something about I didn't. I never thought about the boner branch extending to the heavens, LOL, because um, that's what I wrote that there was a boner <laughs> branch in the commercial. Um, so she's an all-time favorite. She she took it with with grace and she didn't get offended that I was making fun of her boner commercial. I mean, if you're in a boner commercial and you don't know that that's at least a little funny, you know that you're not going to go too far in life. But it, you got to have a little sense of boner humor. Boner. <laughs> boner.
0: Doug.
1: <laughs> um, probably I like the double tubs because I don't understand the double tubs. So it's, it sort of opens up a whole new world of questions for me. <laughs> because what's going on? How is that related to something you're presumably doing together? I don't... Where does that come from? How is that a thing that's in a lot of these commercials? It's really... There are a lot of questions you can ask. It's very intellectually stimulating.
0: Actually, Double Tubs also you- seems to step on the premise of the commercial which is if you take this pill you can be together so then why would you be in warm tubs separately where you can do your own thing that doesn't make sense
2: see it's fascinating your boner will no no your your boner will be too big for (laughs) you both to be in the same tub
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh so this is like she will be oh i get it she'll literally drown in a bathtub of you I got it. <laughs>
2: it's going to be like po- poison ivy, like shooting a, an ivy strand out and it's going to crawl across the floor. Never mind. It's
0: <laughs> Also, I like the idea that a woman in a football jersey is walking around during MLB playoff commercial space. That's always great when you can do that. <laughs> Instead of her being in a yeah, baseball yeah, because jersey, it's, it's, that doesn't make sense. <laughs>
2: It's implied, it's like you're so bored because you're watching baseball. And then some woman in a football jersey comes on and's like, hey guys, wouldn't you like to really have fun? And it's like, oh yeah, you know, I would. It's like implied, like what you're doing right now by A, not taking the pill and B, watching baseball is really boring and I'm here to help. So it makes perfect sense to me.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, this is a, uh, a stimulating, intent, hard discussion of these ads. <laughs> Uh, okay, so get more serious. At ama, ama the Anka, I'm not gonna even bother with that. Sorry. Uh, of the current MLB franchises, which is the likeliest to relocate? So, little context, uh, actually. It, it hold on, happens. little context. MLB is definitely interested in expanding, like Mexico or another international market. And obviously, there's other places in America, in the U.S. to do it, but it's possible. Anyway.
2: I I could see the Rays. I mean, the the popular one, the answer would be the A's, you know, get get them out of Oakland into Portland or Las Vegas. But I think that's weird because the East Bay is really rich, like, and it's just getting richer and richer. And it's there's a lot of people out here and there's going to be a lot of money. Coming into the East Bay, and I think the A's will eventually get a beautiful new ballpark that they will have paid mostly themselves, and it will make perfect sense. Like it'll it'll fit with the timeline of what's happening to the East Bay. Whereas the Rays, uh, you know, a little bit touchier in in Florida because they'll want to use the the public money, and I don't think that's gonna be easy after after the Marlins duped. You know Miami Dade County and and in the the state for their ballpark, so I could see the Rays because their situation is untenable. Like the, at least the A's, it, you know their stadium is maybe a little bit overflowing with sewage, slightly, <laughs> possibly with a little bit of sewage overflow. But it, it, the Rays are just in a place where no one can get to. I mean, at least you can get to the A's park, but you know no one wants to go to the Rays park because it's just like in the middle of nowhere. You have to fight the traffic to get there. Um, So I could see them moving if they can't hammer something out. But I think the probably likeliest answer is no one's going to move. That would be like the Occam's razor. You know, there probably isn't going to be a team that's going to move in the next 30 years because there hasn't been one for 30 years or since the Expos.
1: Um, I think that four years after they open their new stadium in Cobb County, the Braves are going to move again.
2: (laughs) Oh, that would be delightful. I mean, because it's possible. Because I mean, that is such a boondoggle. I mean, just people—that whole thing where people might not be able to cross the freeway to get from the parking lot right. to the stadium because, like, this one bridge isn't getting built, and it's like, you know, there's just some city council person like, "Well, figure it out." You know, that's not—it's not our problem. You it know, gives the bridge isn't going to get built
0: it gives them a chance to name one of them white flight field and then the other one white panic park so you could if they did that it would work out
2: <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> that yeah. is going to be i'm going to look forward to that that's going to be such a mess it's such a beautiful avoidable mess
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean most of the most of the teams are well situated in their stadiums and it, it I'm probably wrong on this but a lot of the newer stadiums seem built to last like they're intent, like they're designed to be a right. part of the city and and basically be Fenways and of the world and go from there so yeah I can't imagine like even the Twins I w- I w- I thought the Twins were one of the teams that were possibly either going to be contracted or moved when all that was happening over a decade ago and they they're not going anywhere so the A's uh, it's so weird people want everyone wants them in Oakland but uh except for I guess there's not there's not enough of a tax base right there in Oakland. But you're right about the East Bay. I don't know. Uh so that's, Yeah, I just that's my not answer.
2: <laughs> no, I, I I see the ace thing. I mean, I think it's you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the uh, the the surge. You know, the, I go on newballpark.org every once in a while and and see what they have to say. And it, it's a fascinating search, and I know it's not as simple as like, well, build a waterfront, you know, ballpark because there's you know not that that land necessarily right there. There's public transit and all that stuff to to think about. But I do think there's got to be an option with so much money in the Bay Area, and the Giants they're not going to let San Jose go because that means too much money to them. And I, I think baseball is just going to sit and fart around and, and let that issue die on its own. Um, so I think the the option would be to move or to stay in Oakland, and I can't imagine another market being more attractive than the Bay Area, even if you have to share it, even if you don't get the the number one spot that would be, that would have the most Silicon Valley money flowing in, even with, if you don't get those things, the East Bay still going to be better than Portland or Vegas or something crazy like that.
0: Okay, next question is from at Eames, E-A-M, and then four S's. If Cueto's span get hurt and Samarja sucks but the Giants get splash 69 was the season a success?
2: Um no, that's a that's a fantastically stupid question. <laughs> that that actively pisses me off. What kind of no. Um <laughs> for that night it would be it would be a delightful it would be a delightful night. Splash 69 would make a lot of a lot of sins go away for that night. But if span Samarja and Cueto aren't good next year, that would bother me a lot <laughs> because <laughs> I'm already expecting them not to be good in three years. I mean, that's like built in, like in three years we're going to be talking about them as if they're actively hurting the team. Um, and I'm, that I'm okay with that. That's, that's, that's how it works. Uh, but if they're not good next year, that's going to sting, that's going to sting, but we're all looking forward to splash 69.
0: I don't even see Cueto on the team in three years. I think he opts out with well, very few options. I still – I I don't know. One, I think if he's good either of these two years, he's going to opt out uh, just because the market is going to keep getting crazier. So if he's great this year but he stinks the next year, he's going to try to go on you know 2016's track record and 2014 and most of 2015. And then he's going to try to do that, leverage it. That's what I think, but – who knows? I don't know anything. But so, uh, well, what if 69, what if Splash 69 is like against the Dodgers in a clinching game? See, this question doesn't say that the Giants don't aren't competitive. It just says, what if they get hurt and this happens? There are ways right. where 69 um, can really it,
1: Like my smart-ass answer yeah, you know. was, like, well, yeah, because it's an even year, so they're going to win the World Series.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it you know, if you told someone in 2007, hey, the Giants are going to win the World Series in 2010, you would immediately think, oh, wow, Zito must have been awesome. Uh, <laughs> so if you're telling me that uh, Cueto, Samarjan span get hurt, you know, oh, the Giants must not win the World Series. Well, no, you've got, I mean, they can get Kurt Ainsworth back. Um, <laughs> you know, Troy Brohan can come back. Pat Mish just threw, the a, a perfect game in Taiwan last year. They can get a... Get him in a trade from the Brewers or something. Um, so that there's options. So if they get hurt and the Giants get Splash 69 and they win the World Series, well, that's the best scenario of all, isn't it?
0: That's right. Other I, than think, getting hurt. I think Jarrett Parker hitting a, hitting a slider off of Clayton Kershaw as a walk-off uh, for Splash 69, <laughs> I mean, that could happen. Who knows? So. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things improbable with that. that. The first one being Jarrett Parker hitting a slider. Um, that Uh, That would be awesome though because it would
2: would, would mean kershaw was would be in the ninth for a reason because he's been awesome all the whole game it would mean that parker was up against him because the bench was so mismanaged that there'd be no other option um that would be a fantastic scenario i like that
0: (laughs) okay our last question doug has our last question
1: all right, our last question is from Roger Munter at Raj 61 uh, McKevy Chronicle's own Roger, who does minor lines for us and is incredible, and That's we incredible. don't deserve him. Amazing job, yeah. Um, and the question is, big question for 2016. How close to a baseline performance was 2015 for the four infielders? Will regression bite or happy times a fest?
2: Ah, that is a fantastic question, considering that it's something that I worry about all the time, especially... <laughs> Because it's very easy to, like, just assume this is Matt Duffy. Whereas last at this time, if you thought he would be half as valuable as he was, you would have been giddy. And so now it's like we're we're just all arrogant and um, uh, accepting, expecting him um, to be as good as as he's been. But what if he's not? And the same thing with panic. I mean, you know, he's coming off the back injury. And what if he's not that good? Because, you know, we weren't necessarily expecting him to have the the kind of extra base power uh, that he had. And same with Crawford. What if he's not a 20-home run guy? So it's very kind of herky-jerky all around, except I'm just going to assume that Brandon Belt is going to make up for whatever regression um, by hitting 30 home runs himself and having a 700 plate appearance season. That's that's my answer. I think that they'll regress a little bit, but Brandon Belt will come and save us.
0: Uh, you stole my that's, answer. That is Grant. completely realistic. Yeah. You stole <laughs> you stole my answer. That whatever <laughs> losses they have, have will be covered by full time Brandon Belt uh, over there.
1: And he's and he's going to wear that great Gazoo helmet, and that'll keep him from getting concussed.
0: That's right. That's right. And as as uh, as I pitched last week, he's going to try to be like the Fonz a little bit more, be a little cooler. Maybe change his attitude up a little bit more, so that pitchers think about him differently. They're like, that's the Fonz. I can't. I gotta pitch the Fonz carefully."
2: <laughs> I, I appreciate I, it's the video. a struggle every time. Like the Giants face Alex Torres, like I can't make fun of. Like it's like ethically, like I can't make fun of a guy trying to protect himself, even though that those helmets look so ridiculous.
0: <laughs> One thing I really appreciate about Matt Duffy. Well, I should, answer, I should go off of that first. Yeah. I mean, if more guys wear that, those helmets or those hats, I mean, if they start pouring more money into it, they will get better at, they will start to look better as the technology improves. So it's, it's in everyone's benefit to kind of just be silly. I mean, they're not any sillier than some of the old uniforms of, of baseball days, like those old White Sox uniforms or like, you know, any of the A's uniforms, the hats are whatever. Uh, but Matt Duffy, I really have appreciated his ability to adjust and and really just play every day. And so if if there is like a, a ne- negative regression of any kind, I kind of feel like he, he, out of all the other guys, he seems like he's the one to, to go against, with, not go against, but to say what you were talking about, like maybe this is the Matt Duffy. And I feel stronger saying that about him than I do about the other guys. Um, although Brandon Crawford's yeah, and, been um, what he I is. Think- except for
2: the power so <clears throat> yeah I mean even when, when Crawford in the, the three years before that he was he was great you know he's a perfectly fine starting shortstop right. and I think the thing with Duffy that makes it easier to accept him as a, a permanent part of, of the infield is that he didn't have that huge cratering slump where he hit, you know, 190 in September or August, and it was his final numbers were buoyed by a, a crazy hot April or May or something like that. He was just so steady the whole year that it was easy to envision, well, this is just the kind of player he is. You know, and I smooth swings, he's not, he's not trying to yank every ball out of the park, but he certainly can hit a home run if, if, if he gets the pitch that he likes. So it was easy to see what you wanted to see with him because he never allowed you to see the, the bad side last year. He didn't slump, you know, that that uh, aggressively.
0: That's exactly it, yeah. Okay, let's go to our, our game of the week. Uh, it's Oscar season. The Oscar nominations were announced yesterday morning, and... So this game it's uh, got a couple of parts to it or a few parts to it. Oscar names, that's the name of the game. One of us is going to name a Giants player, the other two will come up with the name of the film and what the player is would be nominated for. So I'm taking it you could name another Madison Bumgarner thing, but so as an example, Madison Bumgarner, The Battle of Kansas City, Best Actor. So that's the setup. I'll give you a second to think about it if you like, and uh, Doug, you can go first.
1: Uh, All right. Uh, I think we should start out with Joe Panic. Joe Panic.
2: Okay. So you're you're throwing it out to me. Well, I'm, to both the of name... us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. So Joe Panic, the name. Um. I uh, see because when you when you said the game, I wasn't listening because that's, that's okay. What I that's and okay. so I was think I was thinking I was going to come up with the player and what they were nominated for by myself. And so I was thinking like, oh, it's perfect. I have Juan Perez as the key grip and he was going to get nominated for that. Right. Because key grip is. a uh, Sure, uh, sure that's a movie, that's a movie position. And he almost, you know, dropped that ball and then picked it back up. Um, So I was so stunned by my own brilliant answer that I couldn't respond to the question that I was supposed to. Um, Joe Panic would be, uh, he would be Mr. Delightful, I think, would be the name of his movie. And he would be the the best actor. And I think it would just be him basically smiling and going through life, fixing problems. And it would be a a pretty bad movie in that there wouldn't be a lot of conflict and angst, but it would be delightful just to watch him and he would get nominated because of that. I think it would just be so pleasant that it would be like a, like a blanket and a mug of cocoa just to sit with him for two and a half hours and watch him fix things.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) so his so for me joe panic he is uh he's nominated for best original score for for his film (laughs) back to love Love. (laughs) so that's that's my joe panic nomination all right okay um grant you want to throw someone out for both of us to answer
2: okay uh what would Jeremy Affelt be nominated for?
0: Jeremy Affelt. Okay.
2: This is a loaded question because there's a lot you could run with.
1: <laughs> but but not scissors.
0: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sing. Yeah. Okay. So Jeremy Affelt is to me the – he's nominated for um, for – best supporting actor in cuz right cuz he's a, he's a reliever so he is uh he is the best supporting actor in Taken 4 and he <laughs> he his char, his character helps Liam Neeson find human trafficking victims through tweets so that's <laughs> and it's a really powerful role
2: would that'd he be, be the atomic be. relief, like falling out of windows like a, like a French waiter, like a clumsy? French well, waiter. there's a,
0: yeah, there's this, because there's a scene where he has to actually go in person to meet with Liam Neeson. And that's, yeah, then that, that whole sequence is just him being like uh, the Pink Panther, just, or like clumsy and Clouseau esque. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he gets best original screenplay, definitely not adapted, for lefties. There's an exclamation point at the end. (laughs) It's it's about a bunch of hapless left-handers who go through life, making their own luck, who, you know, they get into bumbles and scrapes, but eventually they come through it with flying colors.
0: (laughs) And the big underdog moment is when they have to face a right-handed hitter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Okay. Delightful.
0: (laughs) All right, so uh, I'll end with, uh, with... I was trying to pick a non-obvious choice. I'm sticking with the obvious. Uh, the Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy has been nominated for an Academy Award.
2: Okay, it's going to be Best Animated Film, and it's going to be Grumbles, and Grumbles <laughs> is a a bulldog <laughs> who perseveres. Um, he, he makes it out of the pound. He escapes the pound, which is a metaphor for the Padres. And he he discovers that life is beautiful outside of the pound. And we all root for Grumbles. And he's just the best darn bulldog there is.
0: <laughs> uh, and so his best friend would be like a yappy uh, like bird or something. That would be Tim Flannery.
2: So, <laughs> Yeah, but, oh, yeah <laughs> Flannery would be Yeah, that's a good point it, I think you had a nail, the parrot, talking parrot <laughs> Singing parrot So you've got best original song too That's right like Flannery, you know <laughs> you can- Flan Parrot is going to You're going to be humming that thing It's going to be like twice the hit That Let It Go would be <laughs> It would just be Flan Man singing Waving parrot you home you Yeah,
0: waving you home
1: <laughs> uh, I think he, Bruce Bochy gets nominated for Best Documentary Short For <laughs> The Fisherman About a man who goes out in the waters Beyond AT&T Park every day And goes fishing and never catches anything
0: <laughs> Wait, well, that's the best part That they never catch anything
1: <laughs> Right, but he keeps going out there
0: it's like uh it's this weird monkey's paw thing where he gets a lot of success in baseball but none
2: fishing yeah (laughs) so he would he would narrate that
1: um well he'd have directed it would he narrate? he would also narrate okay Okay.
0: so he's not the subject of it okay all right
1: (laughs) no it's just somebody he knows he like sees him every day he's like man what are you doing out there and the guy's like i'm fishing today i'm gonna catch one
0: I would love to see Bruce Bochy make a short film, a documentary or something. Well, he wrote a book. So, I mean, it's, his ideas uh, for documentaries would fascinate me, I'm sure. And this talk has been so fascinating. Grant Brisby. <laughs> uh, Grant Grant Brisby of Sports on Earth. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's
2: It was it- it was a pleasure to be here. I, I hope that I, uh, I hope you can ed- edit out the really, really dumb answers that I gave for some of the ones. And you know which ones, which ones I gave. So um, if you don't, you know, I'll talk to you behind the scenes.
0: Well, I'm going to splice together some answers, so it sounds like <laughs> you're saying something else. Um, I'm pretty sure I have enough to redo that.
2: Could you do that? Like, could you? That would be so. Fun. Like, if, if, like, after every like question, like, all of a sudden you're like, so okay, what would, what would you, what would Joe panic be nominated for? And I'd be like, Monty Irvin was one of the most important things about Giants baseball history. <laughs> if you then, then you could re-record. Uh, okay, Grant, I can see this is very important to you. I think he could be a lot angrier.
0: <laughs> wouldn't yeah it be, wouldn't but,
2: it be, but you'll panic in the movie <laughs> uh,
0: it'll be right after the introduction and you'll be hello brian do you have a girlfriend no no do you want to bone i think that will be one of <laughs> uh all right well thanks just... heart
2: launch okay no i appreciate you guys having me on my own damn podcast
0: yeah, that's right. It is. That's right. It is your own damn podcast.
2: I'm uh, That's,
0: that's so right. Funny. We're we're um, using your
2: no, name. Exactly.
0: Was, we're 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 creating content in your skin. All right.
2: <laughs> no, it's it was funny because when you said like I'm doing a podcast, I was kind of like oh, I want to be a guest on the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I can't say that. So I'm I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you guys decided to have me on. It was it was a it was a blast. Fella. I want you every
0: every week. So I just figured it would be impolite. So That's
2: I will funny. have I will be on as, as many times as you guys want me on.
0: All right. All right. You heard him, Doug.
1: Yeah. Great. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm writing that down. It's <laughs> fun.
0: I'm tattooing it on my forehead. Right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Bye. Graham. Bye. Grant Brisby, (laughs) by the way, folks, uh, Grant Brisby is at McCovey Cron, if you didn't know, on Twitter. Um, I'm at Every Sixth Day. Doug, what are you again? I always forget.
1: I am at Moonwalk McFly.
0: And we are on Blog Talk Radio, McCovey Chronicles, McCovey Croncast, if you want to search. Uh, We're also on iTunes, uh, download, review. Uh, We're five stars of the best podcast ever um, right now. And and please, uh, next week we're going to have another great guest. Uh, Wendy Thurm is joining us, and uh, we will we'll be back and hope you listen to us then. Thanks again.